Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Steph Driver, and I am joined by Joe Fortunato from Blue Shirt Banter. And this is a little bit of a different checking out the competition. One, because I'm doing it. And two, because our guest got to request me to do this checking out the competition because he is my blog husband. Hey, Joe, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, you know, living the dream. It's fall in Atlanta, so we finally hit 60 degrees. Yeah, I don't. I feel like everybody talks about how nice it would be for the weather to be warm all year round. I think that would drive me crazy. It I is, love the fall. I like the winter. I need the cold. I do too. It is an adjustment for sure. Have you heard our running joke that the Rangers play in a train station? I have not heard this. I heard the running joke that the Rangers play in soon to be the library, right? Or the post office, whatever that is called. <laughs> but no, I have not. I have not heard of this train station you speak of. What's it called? Uh, the train station. Just the train station. The train station. Yes. <laughs> train station, just the train station. The tra- All right. So obviously they don't play in a train station anymore. I mean, they kind of do play in a train station. They, the Rangers play in a train station. You They're heard it here, folks. Station. Yep. You heard I it. Confirm. <laughs> so tell me, what, what the hell? What is going on with the Rangers this year? They had... The run last year, which I didn't think they were going to have, should we be expecting big things from them this year? I mean, I've learned to never expect anything from the New York Rangers mm-hmm. because all it brings is pain and misery. Um, I, I've talked about this on the website a couple of times. It's very ironic that for probably the past 12 years or so, the Rangers have been a team that largely won hockey games by playing pretty bad hockey and just getting outstanding goaltending. And, um, you know, we went through a pretty, pretty lengthy phase on the website where we were saying like, Hey, listen, it's not necessarily that you're winning games. I know that's important, but it's the way that you win games and whether or not it's sustainable and whether or not it'll take you through the playoffs and nobody really listened. And we were just being negative Nancy's Mm. And now, obviously, that changed. The Rangers won two games in a row this weekend, but um, the Rangers were playing really, really good hockey, and they just weren't winning games. They weren't able to score, and everybody was panicking. And then when I'm like, well, listen, now they're playing really well, and the goals are going to come, and it can't last like this forever. We're carrying the team's water, and we're not negative enough. So um, that's kind of my life. Nothing is ever right. Um, but yeah, I, I would say from, from what I've seen from the Rangers through the first 10 games, I'm remarkably pleased at how well they're playing at, at even strength. This is not just a power play team anymore. Igor Shesterkin really hasn't even been that good comparatively to last year, which granted was like a historic season, <laughs> but 
Yeah, um, compared to last year where he was lights out. You know, it it's nice to see this side of the team that's actually doing what they're supposed to be doing at even strength. And it's not just on the power play. And they're actually playing the players that you'd like to see them play. So I don't know. I'm I'm more excited, I think, than I planned on being. I was kind of expecting there to be a little bit of a fallout, but it has not come. And I think if anything, the Rangers probably look a little bit better this year than they than they did last year. So out of, you know, the the three general positions, what do you think is the Rangers' strong suit this season? Goaltending, defense, um forward. The easy answer to that question is Shesterkin, but I actually don't know if Shesterkin is the right answer, at least assuming that he's not going to do what he did last year, this year. I I think for the Rangers, it's genuinely their depth on offense. So I would, you know, I would say the forwards for sure. Um, You have two genuine top six lines. The Rangers have gone years without really having one. Um, The Rangers are playing, or I really should say uh, Gerard Gallant is playing the right players in the bottom six. The Rangers third line when he gets back is pretty good. Um, The fourth line, they are playing Ryan Reeves a little bit more than I think I would like, but Jimmy VC has been a fantastic uh, tryout turned professional contract. He's one of the Rangers best defensive forwards. They have some skill that they can put down there. Um, But, you know, as I'm saying this, the Rangers defense is just, it's so good. I mean, this is the first time that, the Rangers have not iced some type of defensive anchor and I'm not counting Lieber Hayek because (laughs) hopefully he's not going to play permanently, but you know, the Rangers fourth or third pairing is Zach Jones and Braden Schneider, who are two up and coming defensemen who are really good. Um, It's, it's been interesting. Like this is everything that I've wanted the Rangers to be for a really long time. And now it's here and I don't really know what to do with my hands. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned Gerard Gallant and we have a, uh, a former coach that you guys are very familiar with. Tell me about the coaching journey that the Rangers have been on over the past five years. It's been a mess, hasn't it? Um, I mean, I will forever have nightmares about Elaine Vigneault. Um, I, I, I don't think there's a person in professional sports that I hate more than him. Um, and I'm really not like i I'm not a uh, vengeful person, if you will. I just, when you have Henrik Lundqvist is my favorite Ranger of all time. He doesn't have a ring because of Inyo. So when you guys hired him, I was thrilled. This was the best news ever because <laughs> you destroy your franchise, which is exactly what happened. Uh, yeah, um, you're not wrong. But it, you know, it was interesting because when Vigneault finally, like he had the perfect, he inherited a team that went to the Stanley cup final. Um, Everybody, you know, insinuated, or or that's the wrong word. Everybody thought that he was the reason why the Rangers did what they did. And all the success that the Rangers had was really on the back of Henrik Lundqvist. So when Vigneault eventually went stale and it was probably three years too late, um, the ideology was, listen, we're going to, we're going to bring in a guy that plays the kids that actually cares about the kids that cares about the development. The Rangers fell in love with David Quinn. 
I kind of got behind the outside the box, you know, hiring from the NCAA level, which you guys have flashbacks with Dave Haxtell over. Oh, don't talk that, to me. Do not mention that man's name. I thought that everything was going to be honky dory. And, you know, David Quinn kind of fell into sort of the same traps that Vigneault did, you know, not not as bad, but playing his guys, not really playing the kids, making some really stupid just lineup decisions that that would just drive me insane and did basically the exact opposite of what he was brought in to be. So when Gallant was hired, look, it was the right choice, right? And I'll tell you that Vigneault was the right choice when the Rangers hired him too. I don't think I fully understood what we were getting out of him. He also had a very good goaltender in Roberto Luongo when he was in Vancouver. And I think that kind of colored the picture a little bit as well, but I think Gallant was fine last year. I can't tell you that he was probably one of the best coaches in the league. I think he did a good job. I will say I'm I'm happily surprised that he seems to have learned at least a little bit of his lesson and is making some better personnel and ice time distribution decisions this year. But it remains to be seen. I mean, you, you really find out what you have in somebody when the water is boiling and the water really hasn't been boiling for the Rangers yet. So, um we will see what comes of that when it does. But so far, pleasantly surprised. I'm so grouchy that you keep bringing up excellent goaltending. And like, we just don't, we haven't had that until Carter Hart. Um, and when Carter Hart started to go to crumble under the pressure of the pandemic and Elaine Fignot couldn't lean on him the way that he had earlier, um, everything fell apart. So the fact well, this that you- is, I'm going to take a, an opportunity to just fucking, Oh, can I curse on this podcast? <laughs> yes. Now that I dropped it. Yes. Um, I'm going to take an opportunity to just really kick dirt on Vigneault a little bit more. Oh, do it. Yeah. We're all real mad at him. He's, he can be a very effective coach when his machine works the way it's supposed to the rangers had some of their better offensive performances under Vigneault. the problem is he really doesn't know how to build the machine and the machine demands you have goaltenders who when the quick breaks don't go your way when those fast odd man rushes don't go your way you need a goaltender who's going to be able to backstop the mistakes that come from playing quick through the neutral zone and trying to lead those fast breaks. So it does not surprise me that when Carter Hart sort of fumbled to an extent, right? Because you're asking a lot of your goaltender. I mean, you're you're talking between Lundqvist and Luongo, you have two Hall of Fame goaltenders that that Vigneault has pretty much painted his resume with. Mm -hmm. You're asking a lot from them. And... It just, it, the machine falls apart when that aspect of things isn't there. And when they're not covering the mistakes and he's playing the wrong players or not, you know, playing Dan Girardi 25 minutes a night. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's just so many things that go wrong. And I have never met a human being who has worse a worse ability to look in the mirror and say, Hey, listen, this is a mistake that I've made. Here's how I need to address. I think I used to make the the joke that, you know, Elaine Vigneault is the type of man who would uh, sleep with a woman last about 12 seconds. And then be like, well, you were just terrible. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) 
that's the type of guy that he is and that's the kind of coach that he is and um it's just it's not it's not a good scene and i i hope he remains in hockey purgatory forever that would be that would be preferable all right so or he can go back to the flyers which is fine now i will say i'll tell you this can he go to Pittsburgh? Like, let's ruin their day. Yeah, he can go to Pittsburgh. He can go to the Islanders. And, you know, any of those, any of the Devils, although Lindy Ruff is at the Devils. I feel like the Rangers have just shed their terrible coaching decisions onto their division rivals, which is fantastic. Um, I will say, I love John Tortorella. That's where I, I was going to go I, next. I love that. John Tortorella. I I think he is, he's a really good dude there are times when John Tortorella is a really good coach. I think he does a lot of things really, really well. I love him. I will always love him. I harbor no resentment for John Tortorella. I think he's fantastic. Mm. I don't know if I want him coaching my hockey team, but I love John Tortorella. Okay. Tell me more about that. Why, why don't, why are you unsure about his coaching abilities? Uh, it's not that I'm necessarily unsure about his coaching abilities. It, it's more so that John Tortorella also gets, and and I'm going to preface this by saying, when John Tortorella was the coach of the New York Rangers, his assistant coach was Mike Sullivan, who has since won a series of Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And... When Tortorella, like, there was never even a thought that Sullivan was a man in the wings. It, there just wasn't. Like, the power play was his responsibility. It was a nightmare. Um, the I don't think the penalty kill was under him. But, like, there was no – no one was like, oh, Mike Sullivan, you know, could be a really good coach. And when he got fired, Mike Sullivan reinvented himself to an extent and now has become, you know, a Stanley Cup winning coach who – is probably one of the better coaches in the NHL. Yep. John Tortorella adjusted himself from Vancouver because don't forget when he got fired in New York, he went to Vancouver for a hot second before he went to Columbus. I will never forget John Tortorella in Vancouver because that was the whole locker room. Correct. John Tortorella has balls as big as the building. There, there is not a man who cares more about his hockey players than John Tortorella does. And one of the things that I think Tortorella does so well, and people haven't figured it out yet. When the pressure is on his hockey team in the playoffs, God willing, the Flyers never make it back there. (laughs) They probably won't at this rate. And the pressure's on and a star player is not performing like it's Rick Nash or Brad Richards or whatever it is. John Tortorella has a way of pissing everybody off and making the story about John Tortorella. Yeah. And people think that it's, oh, John Tortorella is just an asshole. John Tortorella doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. John Tortorella is just a piece of shit. It's not true. He's fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. He does it because then everyone's talking about John Tortorella and they're not talking about what he doesn't want them to talk about, which is Rick Nash not being able to score in the playoffs and, you know, the mistake that Dan Girardi made, you know what I mean? Like it just, Mm -hmm. it puts all of the pressure on him and that's the way he likes it. And there is not a single person that cares more about their players than John Tortorella, even the ones that he doesn't like. And you mentioned that in between New York and Vancouver, he kind of reinvented his himself or at least his systems. 
And I think that we saw that in Columbus too. He he's definitely done different things in each of his stops. And I've found in Philadelphia so far, and it hasn't been that many games, but they've won more than they've lost, which is shocking for what I was expecting this season. They're second in the Metro, which again, shocking, not going to last, but we're having a good time. Yeah. You know, it's when you talk about, and that, that was the point I was going to get to, right. That, Tortorella has sort of he, he look the the knock on on torts was always that he wears out his welcome always yeah. owners get sick of him general managers get sick of him there's a lot of PR that comes with John Tortorella it, it's it there's just there's a lot that goes into him being the coach of your hockey team yeah and he's gonna piss players off he's gonna piss fans off the running story was that when he got fired in New York, there was pretty much a mutiny from the players and their exit interviews. And there was no, you know, there was no way the Rangers could just keep him, Mm. but he did not wear his welcome out in Columbus. He, he lasted the entirety of that contract. He left them, although that, that relationship was kind of coming to an end, but you know, that John Tortorella, the John Tortorella that, that does figure out how to kind of play between the white lines a little bit. I think that guy can be a good hockey coach. Now here's what the the biggest knocks on torts. He plays his top guys. Yeah. He runs his top guys. He doesn't care. He, he played Lundquist, you know, 72 games a year. He would run his top line, um, you know, 24, 24 minutes a night. Like, the best John Tortorella story of all time was the Rangers triple overtime win against um, triple overtime win against Washington way back when I think it was like 2010 Gabrick scored the game winner. Uh, the Rangers, it was three overtimes. I think Ryan McDonough led the team with like 62 minutes or something of ice time. Ryan Callahan had like 49 minutes close to 50. Stu Pickle played three minutes. <laughs> Literally like three minutes and 40 seconds. Like this is, that's the Tortorella way. Like John Tortorella, he plays his guys. If you are one of his guys, you are one of his guys. It is what it is. So, you know, that tends to wear itself over the course of a hockey season. Um, You have to earn yourself to get in his good graces, but more so than like, I'm not even talking playing veterans over kids. It's a lot to, to not evenly distribute your ice time and, I don't know enough about his time in Columbus to tell you if that really changed or not, but I do know that was one of the things that really just kind of took away from his time in New York and, and definitely, you know, it just, it's, it's hard to play hockey like that. It really is. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Yeah. Well, the good news about the Flyers is that we don't have a top line. It just doesn't exist. We have two you know, middle, middle lines, you know, maybe two third lines, maybe a third and a half. 
I mean, he lived that way in New York, so. Yeah, that's that's what we got here. Like, our superstars are Carter Hart, who's a 24-year-old goaltender, and everyone else is hurt. So, we have, it's, it's a really entertaining time to have a coach who is known to be a hard ass, who is known to, like, we know this. We know he plays his guys, and he's got this group of dudes that that's, that's his core. He doesn't have a chance to do that here right now. So we're seeing him do things differently. Um, and I think that he's really, from his, what was it, a year, two years, where he was a, an analyst, I think he's taken a look at the rest of the league and and cherry picked things that he liked, and he seems to be a really intelligent coach that way. He, uh, Torts is very very smart. Um, he's smart in in like the same. He understands the game. I think where John Tortorella still get and you you triggered like a a core memory in me for some reason. I think it was last year uh, in the playoffs when Tortorella was an analyst and McDavid was doing like silly shit. He was yeah. just doing silly stuff. And Torts was like, oh, you can't win in the playoffs doing stuff like that. And it's like, no, bro. Like he's the best player in the NHL. That's how you win in the playoffs, right? Like you do silly shit. Artemi Panarin should do silly shit. That's why he's so good. And little things like that, like John Tortorella has a way that he expects to win hockey games. And may I just say, there is not a better fit in terms of like personalities than Tortorella in Philly. I know. You you guys are going to fucking love him. You really are. Especially when you get like to the nitty gritty. And I mean, when Tortorella talks shit about like the Penguins and Malkin and Cro- like it, it just gave me life back in the day. No one had ever done something like that before. You know, the Rangers had Tom Rennie before they had John Tortorella. Like, there's not a more <laughs> polite human being on the planet, I would think, than Rennie. So it just, you know, he's a really good fit for the Flyers. The question is going to be, when you talk about adjustments, I do think he's sort of eased himself away from maybe some of his harder stances. But, like, that aspect of things, the aspect of, okay, I need to – I need to let my skill guys kind of go a little crazy and not worry so much about the defense and do what they need to be like that aspect of things has to be there in order to succeed in today's NHL. It's just the way it is. And I remember that comment and hearing it and being like, that's not something that's going to get you a head coaching job anytime soon. And then there came the flyers. So now he's here, but like that, that is where he's very smart. He, he, there was a story, and I don't know if he still does this, like John Tortorella lays out the entire year before the year starts. Every off day the Flyers will have from this point forward, he's already put in a calendar. It's done. He already figured it out. Mm. So he, he knows what he wants. It's just a matter of actually getting there. And listen, the Rangers succeeded under Tortorella. They went to the Eastern Conference final under Tortorella. Um but, you know, and he's won the Stanley Cup in, in Tampa. And that that the safest death, John Tortorella, that won that Stanley Cup was not the coach the Rangers got. Mm. They got a, you know, shell and grind, like the grinding block shots, you know, score if you can, New York Rangers. That was led by John Tortorella. And it works. The Rangers have the pieces in place for that to work. But um that guy's not gonna win in today's nhl and i don't think he was really that guy in columbus but 
he definitely can't be that guy and succeed now. The game is just too different. Yeah. And I mean, the level, the level of talent on the flyers, John Tortorella is going to outlast the highest level of talent in Philly by a, a long margin, I believe, except for Carter Hart, you know, he'll be around for the next 10 years. At least John Tortorella will, will survive the the next handful of, of draft classes, I think, because he is such a great personality fit for the city. Um, and, and fans really want players to be punished right now because we're mad at them. And that's the guy that's going to do it. I mean, he held players accountable. It didn't matter who they were, which was a game that Vigneault, like Vigneault had three players that he would hold accountable and they were all kids. Yep. And then, you know, Dan Girardi could piss on the, on the locker room floor and nothing would have happened to him, but not that Dan Girardi would do that. He's a great guy. Um, you know, he it just, it, <laughs> he could have, it just, you know, Vigneault played favorites. Torts plays favorites too, in terms of ice time distribution, but I don't care, like, if Panarin fucked up, Panarin fucked up, and he's going to sit on the bench. Which yeah. sometimes, to Tortorella's detriment, like, sometimes you have to play favorites for your best players. You know what I mean? But it doesn't matter. So, if you want accountability, you're going to get accountability from John Tortorella. No questions asked. Yeah, he's already he's already benched Travis Konechny and Kevin Hayes. Like, that's, we like that. We're happy that it's not one scapegoat anymore, which is what it has been for the past handful. And, you know, I'm thinking about this, too. Go back. If you're a Flyers fan and you really want to see, like, the inside roots of John Tortorella, go go watch the, what was it, 24-7? What was the HBO series? Yeah, 24-7. Go watch the Rangers-Flyers 24-7 series on HBO. You'll get all the looks at John Tortorella that you want. And you get to watch the Flyers again when Claude Giroux was there and, you know. When it wasn't full pain and torture. But like, you'll, you'll get a good idea. I mean, there's a, there's a slew of Tortorella, like locker room moments in there Mm -hmm. that it'll give you a pretty good insight of what you're dealing with, with this guy. Yeah. Cause I don't think that part of him has changed. I had a great interview with him before the season started where I, I really tried to press him on what he wants to see out of this season, like what would be a success. And he wouldn't answer it, which I think was really smart because this team is a mess. So, all right, we're coming up on, you've got a meeting coming up. So three minutes, what can we expect out of the Rangers this year, who should we watch out for except, you know, the names we know? We know Panarin. We know Fox. We know Shesterkin. Who else should we be on the lookout for? And what do you expect to happen when they meet the Flyers? I think it's tomorrow, Tuesday night. Um, I I, I will not venture a guess as to what happens when they meet the Flyers. The fly, Based on the way that, like, former Rangers are playing and coaches are playing against the Rangers, the Flyers are going to win, like, 40 nothing. Oh, you have um, that You have that fun little... We also have that fun little, uh, that, like, disease of, disease. oh, you used to be on this team? Yeah, we're going to lose to you. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll say, from an optimistic standpoint, it sounds silly to say this, like, Lafreniere and Kako are... Um, the, the the way that they've grown since the playoff run last year, mm. the points aren't there yet, but Lafreniere is generating the most individual goal scoring chances of anyone on the Rangers. Just watching Kako play is it's it's a thing of beauty. Like he's actually using his body the way that he's supposed to. These guys are so young 
you know, you forget that last year, Lafreniere, I mean, the two of them got to the 80 game mark, like in two years because of COVID. So you kind of forget that the, the linear trajectory that you've gotten used to trajectory that you've gotten used to from a lot of, you know, first round picks isn't there for them. And your friend uh, Dave Haxtell is uh, currently sitting Shane Wright, I think three games in a row in he, Seattle. So he sure is. Um, he sure it could is. it could be worse, but I, I really think that the Rangers are in a very strange place right now. They really don't have money without making major moves for this core to exist in the way it exists. Really, more than next year, if even next year. So it doesn't feel like it has to be win now. But it kind of is because you're gonna you're gonna have to make some some pretty drastic adjustments, um, and I'm terrified at what those will be. I, I mean, Chris Drury I think has done a pretty serviceable job as a general manager. Um, I think he's he's actually probably done a little bit better than that. I, I've been really impressed with some of the things I've seen him do, but I don't know. I feel like we are at a point now where. You know, it's kind of shit or get off the pot for the Rangers. Not that this window is not going to be open. They're, they're, I think they're still one of the youngest teams in the league. But this team is not going to look like this that much longer. And that's kind of a terrifying thought. Mm. I do not love that because they're so young and so terrifying. But hopefully the Flyers will beat them 5-2 tomorrow. And then they don't have to win for the rest of the season. There you go. Perfect. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. It was a blast talking to you. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate this. We will continue to haunt your nightmares as Flyers fans, and I believe that you will do the same for us. I'll try. I'll do my best. Beautiful. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.